Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for your word. That is truly a lamp into our feet and it's a light into our path. And Lord, our goal is not to just read the word, study the word, but our goal is to be a doer of the word. And I pray, God, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. If there's anybody in the room tonight that needs faith, I pray, God, that there's faith that comes from looking at the life of Paul. And, Lord, the things, the fire that he endured, the stoning that he, that he went through, but he, he, uh, he fought the good fight of faith. And so, Lord, we just pray that and even in these end times, God, we maybe have that heart of the warrior on the inside of us to fight the good fight of faith. And, Lord, I just thank you. For your word in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's do this. We hadn't done this in a while together. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. Tonight, I will be taught from the ever-living, incorruptible seed of the word of God. I will never, ever, 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 ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and start here. So traveling through present-day Turkey, Paul and Barnabas pressed on to the city of Iconium after being expelled from Antioch. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be a little bit different study than I've done. I wrote some commentary in here, but I just want to go through this whole text because it's very exciting. How many of y'all know a lot can happen in a week? How many of y'all know a lot can happen in 24 hours? I mean, how, yes, a lot can happen. So this is basically one of those stories how things can be switched real fast. But uh, to God be the glory. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time. Speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, into the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith. He had faith to be healed. Said with a loud voice, stand up, straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw that Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Notice there, little g, the gods. It says in verse 12, And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, who are, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made in the heaven and the earth and sea and all things that are in them. 
who in bygone generation allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful season, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely uh, restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, how in the world can you go from wanting to sacrifice to these men to flipping a switch to now wanting to stone them? And again, I'm not talking about Colorado Springs Stone. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he arose up and went into the city and, the, and made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now, when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there, they sailed to Antioch. And this isn't Tennessee. Where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I love it that, the, that Paul is always praising God for what he did. And how God used him. So they remember at the very beginning that that was one of the things. That he would be positioned before kings. And he would also be positioned for Gentiles. I want you to always think about this. How God used a Jew to open the door for the Gentile. I mean that's such a miracle. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So I want to break this down. This would be like a Bible study tonight. We're going to go verse by verse if that's okay. If it's not okay, it better be. All right. It says in verse 1, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke to the great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks believed. I love this. Where's the first place that they go? They went to the synagogue. Psalm 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? So they go to the synagogue, verse 2, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Although many believed, those who didn't believe sought to sabotage the ministry of Paul and Barnabas by speaking evil against them, gossiping about them, and starting rumors concerning them. During, uh, I want to, I, I saw this and I wanted to share this with you. During a freak electrical storm, a couple was gossiping on the telephone. The storm caused a scramble in the electrical signals and sent the, their conversation from the phone line to a cable TV line through which close to one million people heard the conversation. How many of y'all know? Open mouth, insert foot, right? So, as we're talking about this, of how they're, they're gossiping and starting all of this stuff, would we say the things we do if we thought our conversation would be transmitted through a TV set? Is our conversation honoring to the Lord? Or does it grieve Him as it short-circuits ministry and hinders his work. How I many of y'all know gossip can ruin anything? I'm going to say that again. How I many of y'all know gossip ruins families? How I many of y'all know gossip ruins churches? Gossip ruins lots of things. So, 
goes to verse 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs, wonders to be done by their hands. So the Lord confirmed the word by his grace with signs and wonders, even as he promised he would. How many of y'all know the Lord still confirms his word through signs and wonders today? Let's say that one more time. How many of y'all know the Lord still confirms his word through signs and wonders today? How many of y'all know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's still, the blind still see, the lame still walk, the deaf still hear. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, it tells us in Mark 16, this is a good reminder. And these signs will follow those who believe. Raise your hand if you're a believer. Come on. If you're not, let me, let me get a glance here. If you're not a believer, we can fix that right now. But it says, these signs will follow him who believes. So if you believe tonight, these are the signs. In my name, you will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know what this scripture means? If you're out somewhere and you come across a rattlesnake, you can pick it up in the name of the Lord. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. All right. Take that off the tape, all right? So, I just want to remind us tonight that he confirms his word, just like he did right here in Acts chapter 14 and verse 3, how he was right there in the city. God still confirms his word today. In verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with Jews and part with the apostles. This was due to the whispering campaign led by unbelieving Jews. Iconium was divided. Now we go to verse 5. And when a violent attempt was made by the both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. So look at this. The gossip campaign became so intense that Paul and Barnabas had to flee for their lives. The good work begun in Iconium was short-circuited by jealousy, unbelief, and whispers. You know what will short-circuit a ministry is jealousy, unbelief, and whispers. Let's pray our churches would make a covenant saying accusations, insinuations, and whispers will find no place here. And it will have no audience in Jesus' name. It will not have an audience. Proverbs 26, 21, and 22 says this. A charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Look at it in the King James Version. It says, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. A talebearer is one who reveals secrets. The word wounds is more correctly translated dainty morsels. In other words, a talebearer loves to eat the garbage of gossip. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a talebearer. Amen? So in verse 6 and 7 it says, They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding regions, and they were preaching the gospel there. How many of y'all thankful for the gospel? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice that Paul and Barnabas didn't go into the synagogue when they arrived at Lystra and Derby. Because every town with at least... This, this is some interesting facts right here. Because every town with at least 10 Jewish males had a synagogue, we can assume that there were not even 10 Jews in Lystra and Derby. Now, this isn't thou sayeth the Lord's, but I've read many commentary about this. Legend had it. This is amazing. Now, this is really going to be something to you when we go further down. But legend had it that many years earlier, Jupiter and Mercury came to Lystra and walked among the people. Because no one but a man 
but a man named Philemon and his wife Bacchus, isn't that a name, realized they were gods. Jupiter and Mercury killed everyone in the city except for Philemon and Bacchus, whom they turned into trees to stand in front of the temple of Jupiter. Legend has it. Now, you're going to see why just in a minute, because I was like, this is crazy, but it makes sense to me here in a minute. Verse 8, and it says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. I love that. Isn't that something? He, the, the boy had faith to believe. I just want to encourage you, when you come to the front to pray with the pastor and elder, don't be just submissive on their faith. Aren't you thankful for the faith of the pastors and elders of this house? But you come in faith. Amen? You come in faith. So the long journey led them to Lystra. The men were no doubt hoping for some rest and relief since they were being chased from the towns they had visited up to this point in their travels. All the while, they continued to preach and teach the scriptures. Out of the blue, something amazing took place. As Paul preached, he saw a lame man in the crowd who seemed to have a measure of faith. Stand upright, Paul said. And the man not only stood, but leaped and walked. I mean, y'all know God still is in the miracle working business. Now, this is where it comes interesting. Verse 11. Now, when the people saw that Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in Lyconian language, the gods, little g, have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of, of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. So thinking Mercury and Jupiter had returned in the form of Paul and Barnabas, the people of Lystra rushed to worship them. This might be, I've never understood why they called him these names. Have you? I hadn't. But this might be one of the most dangerous points in Paul's entire ministry. More dangerous than any snake bite, shipwreck, or stoning he would ever face because when the entire town offered them garlands and called them gods, I wonder if they thought, the thought didn't cross Paul's mind that he could use their idolizing as a platform for ministry. That he could accept their adoration as a way to be relatable. I want to give you an example here. I saw this in John Corson's um, uh, commentary, but I thought it was good. When Captain James Cook, discoverer of the uh, Hawaiian Islands, first dropped anchor in uh, Hanama Bay... He was greeted with a great ceremony. Realizing the islanders thought he was their god, Lono, Cook thought, oh well, why not? Consequently, he and his men were treated to everything the island had to offer until one evening when Cook, about to take advantage of yet another woman, was clubbed in the back of the head by her husband, who in his anger forgot the Captain Cook was Lono. Bleeding and groaning, the captain went down. By the time he regained consciousness, he found himself looking in the eyes of his aggressor who said, Gods don't bleed, nor do they groan. And Cook was killed on the spot. What a tempting moment for anyone. When the people are so impressed with you and moved by your message, they can make the mistake of treating you almost as if you are a god. Easy, how easy to let that go to our heads and start expecting such adoration. Not Paul and Barnabas. On the contrary, they had no intention of giving in to the perilous lure of popularity. Let's look at their response. Verse 14. 
But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? Why are men, we also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from the useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Paul and Barnabas were as wise as they were humble. They didn't flirt with, joke about, or take lightly the worship of the people of Lystra. Instead, they rent, they wrenched their clothes, they rent their clothes in an outward demonstration of a deep inner grief. No wonder God could use them so powerfully. Paul said, turn from Jupiter, Mercury, and all the other vain idols you worship and turn instead to the living God. Listen to this. Several years ago in India, ten people drowned when a mammoth stone statue of Buddha slid off of a barge in the city of Hyderabad. I read this in a um, magazine. Fifty people were aboard the barge at the time of the accident, but only 40 were able to swim to safety. As tragic as this is, we must not be too quick to judge any other country for, the, for their idols when in our country we idolize men who can hit a leather ball with a wooden bat. Psalm 115 verses 4 through 8 says, But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so we all who trust in them. Psalm 115.8 says, we become like whatever we idolize, which is why worship is so important. When we worship the Lord, we become like him. Who made the heavens? That's what it says right here in, in uh, verse 15. Paul says, who made the heavens? Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. How I many of y'all know the heavens declare the glory of God? God, indeed they do. The vastness of space is truly incredible. If the distance between here and the sun, 93 million miles, was uh, represented by the thickness of a single sheet of notebook paper, it would take a stack of paper 71 feet high to represent the distance between us and the nearest star. 31 miles high to represent the distance between us and the edge of the Milky Way. And 310,000 miles high to represent the distance between us and the edge of the known universe. It's big out there, folks. I mean, y'all know the heavens declare the glory of God. It says, and earth and sea, Paul goes on to say, and earth and sea and all things that are therein. Here's some more uh, stuff that, uh, that I just came across that I felt like putting in here that I believe Paul was going after. But science have recently, scientists have recently discovered worms 10 feet long living a mile below the surface of the earth. The blue whale, a gigantic creature with a tongue equivalent to the weight of 36 full-grown men, survives on microscopic plankton. Have you ever thought of that? When we were at the Gateway Conference, Levi Lesko pointed out that a woodpecker's tongue was one-third of its body length and, wrapped, and wraps around his head when he, pecks, when he pecks to protect his brain. Did you guys know that? A woodpecker, one-third of his, the length of him, it's how long his tongue is. Now, I want you to think about it. Their beak is not very long. Well, where does that tongue go? I'll tell you, it wraps around their brain when they hit something. 
Isn't that something? I'm telling you, I don't know that they have a brain because I'm, you, I mean, Pastor Ty has one at his, his house right now, and I'm telling you, that thing, it's a wonder he has brains left. But I know why, because he's got a long tongue. What? On the inside. Yeah, on the inside, they have something that goes around the cranium of the inside of their head, and their tongue wraps around it when they beat things. Isn't that something? Yeah. Only God could do that. My point, the creator of whom Paul spoke filled his creation with incredible wonders. So rather than embracing, even for a moment, the respect of the crowd, Paul preached a brief sermon that pointed the people to the only true God. Let's point people to the only true God. Amen? And he keeps going. Verse 16, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. God could have forced his way upon this world. Instead, he chose to allow people and nations to walk in their own ways. What happens when nations choose their own way rather than God's? When people ignore the word, the results are tragic. If I were God, I would have judged this world, this country, this society long ago. I would have devastated this planet. But what what does God do? Read on. Nevertheless... He did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good. Gave us rain from heaven. And how many of y'all thankful for the mercy of God? Um, let's, he gave us rain, and let's just go ahead and say this in faith and prophesy. He's given us rain from heaven and fruitful season, and fruitful season, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Although society rejects him and nations turn from him, God still does good. How many of y'all know that's who he is? He's good. He allows rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. He allows food to be produced. He allows our hearts to be filled with gladness. He allows people to have life and life more abundantly, all because of his goodness. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Verse 18, it says, And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Everything's going good. So after Paul finished this simple yet powerful sermon, the people decided not to offer sacrifices to him. It was a close call. But watch what happens next. Verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. How many of y'all know, I'm going to say this again, a lot can happen in 24 hours. How short-lived was their popularity? The opposite extreme was only minutes away. Those who had expelled Paul from Antioch and those who had sought to stone him in Iconium joined forces and and followed him to Lystra. One minute the people of Lystra cried, their gods, the next kill him. We do the very same thing whenever we idolize an author, a speaker, or a teacher one, one one day but criticize him the moment we see something in him of which we disapprove. The way to break free from the Lystra syndrome, this is what we'll call it tonight, is not through adoration nor uh, annihilation, but through appreciation. The Lord instructed his people not to lay an axe to a fruit-bearing tree, for their own hunger would be the result. This is found in Deuteronomy 20, verse 19. Go back and read the story. But he says, when you lay siege to a city for a long time, fighting against it to capture it, do not destroy its trees by putting an axe to them, because you can eat their fruit. Do not cut them down. Are the trees people that you should besiege them? 
That's what happened to the people at Lystra. And it happens to us whenever we pick on groups, ministries, churches, or authors instead of picking from them. It's the treasure, folks, not the earthen vessel that is important. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What is Paul saying? He says, hey, I'm of jars and clays. I'm of earthen vessels, what the King James says. I can be enriched, fed, and blessed by the word others share, even though I may see some earthiness in their vessels. On the other hand, God also instructed his people to chop down any tree that does not bear fruit. He says, however, you may cut down trees that you know are not fruit trees and use them to build siege works until the city at war with you falls. What does this mean? There's no place for ministries or cults that undermine our faith, deny the word, or cast aspersions. That means attacking the integrity of the finished work of Christ. How many know we shouldn't put up with that? Let's cut the tree down. So it goes on and says, They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Man, this is some commentary that I got out of a preacher's commentary that I thought was so good that I wanted to share with you guys tonight. This is not from me, but this is from, from that. But it says this. Um, the men of Lystra backed down. They heard the word, but they turned away. Why? Why were the men of Lystra so fickle and so easily manipulated by those who wanted to see Paul dead? I believe Jeremiah 26 gives the answer. This is so good. This is going back to Jeremiah chapter 26. And I love the book of Jeremiah. But it says, thus says the Lord, send in the court of the Lord's house. So God is speaking to Jeremiah. And speaking to all the cities of Judah, which come to worship the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. If so, be they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. The Lord doesn't want to do this because he's good, right? But it says, in obedience to the Lord's command, Jeremiah stood in the temple courtyard and preached powerfully, telling the people to repent of their evil ways so the Lord could bless instead of chastising them. Verse 8. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking, all the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and prophets and all the people took, took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. We don't like what you're saying, Jeremiah. We're going to kill you, is basically what the people said. Then spake Jeremiah to the, the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all the words in your ears. Saying, do with me as you want, said Jeremiah. But if you kill me, you will only compound your problems and bring innocent blood upon your head. Then in verse 16, Then said the princes and all the people and to the priests and to the prophets, This man is not worthy to die, for he hath spoken to us in the name of our Lord our God. Jeremiah took a stand. He refused to back down, and his life was spared. Then in verse 20, And there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord, Urijah, the son of Shemaiah of Kyrgyzstan, whatever, who prophesied against the city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what you're saying is making sense, said Urijah. 
So I'm going to prophesy just like you. The very words you say, I'll say. So it says in verse 21, And when Jehoiakim the king, with all the mighty men and all the princes, heard his words, and king sought to put him to death. But when Elijah heard it, he was afraid and fled, and he went to Egypt. When Elijah heard his life was at stake, he backed down, ran away, and fled to Egypt. And Jehoiakim the king sent men in, into Egypt, namely Elnathan the son of Akbar, and certain men with him into Egypt. And they fetched forth Urijah out of Egypt and brought him unto Jehoiakim the king, who slew with him the sword and cast him dead body into the graves of the common people. He shouldn't have ran. Let me tell you <clears throat> one simple way to get wiped out. Run. Back away from the things you know are true and say, I need, a, I need a fix from the world. I think I'll go to Egypt. Whenever you take a vacation from the Lord or from the, wor- or from the word, like Uriah, you'll get chopped up. Why did Uriah back down? Because while Jeremiah was hearing and receiving directly from the, wor- from the Lord, Uriah was merely mimicking Jeremiah. He agreed with Jeremiah's message mentally, but it wasn't in his heart personally. Mom and dad, pray for your kids fervently that they'll have more than a head knowledge of the Lord based upon what they hear from you. Pray that, like Jeremiah, they'll own the truth in their hearts based upon their own fellowship with him. How does, this, how does truth move from one's head to one's heart? Through prayer. <clears throat> Following the church service on Sunday, your devotions... Tomorrow or the radio message you will hear next week. If your response is merely that's interesting. The word of the Lord will never penetrate your heart. And when tough times come you will join Uriah in Uriah in Egypt. On the other hand if you leave church your morning devotions or the radio message saying Lord. What do you have in this for me today? You will be able to stand strong like Jeremiah. You see it's not enough to mimic what we hear. Uriah did that and died. We, like Jeremiah, must internalize what we hear because it's not enough to hear the Lord's voice through an interpreter, be it an author, a pastor, or a speaker. We must hear his voice ourselves. Y'all believe that? It says in verse 24, Nevertheless, the hand of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, and they should... And they should not give in to the hand of the people to put him to death. Jeremiah stood his ground and thereby saved his life. Had the men of Lystra done the same, their city would have been blessed. So it goes on to say, supposing him to be dead. Uh, I've read several different deals on this, but we don't know whether or not Paul was dead. Paul was or wasn't dead, but it looks that way. Especially when you read 2 Corinthians 12 too. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, this is Paul speaking, was caught up in the third heaven, whether it was in his body or out of his body, I do not know, but God knows. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. The word thorn doesn't mean a thorn like you would find a rose bush. I talked about this early on, but... Remember, it means a tent stake. Paul's thorn in the flesh wasn't some inconvenience he had had to put up with now and then. It was a painful and very possibly, according to many Bible scholars, the result of permanent injuries he received from this stoning. Yes, 
he went to heaven. Yes, his spirit was changed, but his body was weakened as a result. Commentators have suggested it was an eye disease, malaria, or an irritating person who followed him around, or physical repercussions of the stoning he endured. We don't know for sure what it was, but this we do know. The word translated thorn is the word tent stake, the 18-inch long spike necessary to anchor Bedouin tents and the fierce desert winds. Thus, Paul's thorn more closely resembled a sword in his side. Welcome to the ministry. One moment you're taking a bow, the next you're dodging tomatoes or worse, stones. I'd rather take tomatoes. But there, been there and done that. Sometimes, I'm speaking for myself here, sometimes when the honeymoon is over, the rocks begin to fly. Popularity in ministry is a perilous cliff with a jagged edge that can cut a ministry into remarkably, though laying uh, lifeless in a pool of his own blood, Paul got right back up and walked into the city from which he had been dragged and left for dead. This is one determined missionary. Can you imagine being so hated that people literally pick up rocks and strike you repeatedly until you unconscious and left for dead? If they stone you in Amarillo, are you going to stay there overnight? No, you're going to take a quick flight to a place as far away from there as possible. Get serious. If you're operating strictly from a horizontal viewpoint like this y'all right here you don't want to be within a thousand miles of that place when the sun rises the next day or next dawn that is unless you're called and fully committed to the vertical perspective then you stick it out you don't quit neither do you uh, retaliate or throw a pity party you go to sleep night after night, trusting in the same God who called you to serve there. Convincing that he is sovereign and he is in absolute control. Look what Paul says right here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Let's say that again. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ. How many of y'all know we've been raised with Christ? All right. He's pulled us out of the miry clay. The Bible says in Isaiah, and he set us on the rock to stand. We've been raised with Christ, seeking, uh, but keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How many of y'all know if you let things bother you and it comes over you outwardly of something that internally is bothering you and you walk around with your head down, it will be dangerous for you. But if you luck up with a heavenly perspective... If God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? Yes, my bills may be coming up, but I know this, that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I may have gotten the bad report that makes me want to put my head down, but I know that is dangerous because I'm going to look it up above. This is from Paul right here, y'all. No wonder he wrote this. Seated at the right hand of the Father, set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also be with, revealed with him in glory. Isn't that a great scripture? So that's exactly what Paul did. He entered the city and spent the night there. Check this out. Verse 20. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up, went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. These disciples were risking their own lives by standing around Paul's body. What were they doing? Were they praying? Was Luke trying to revive him? Were they crying? 
Were they having a memorial service? The Bible doesn't say. It just says that they were there. We all have experienced times when we have felt wiped out, finished, dead. And then some precious people gather around us. I'm y'all thankful for the... Don't forsake the assembling of saints together. We felt our hearts resurrected, our spirits revived. There, there are those whom the Lord will lead you to stand by, hang out with, and be there for. Be it in person, over the phone, or through a letter. Be sensitive to his leading and watch for revival. After he was stoned, what did Paul do? He went right back into the city. How do you stop a guy like that? He picked himself off the dusty ground, pushed aside the larger stones, wiped the blood from his face and hands, gathered his composure, and climbed right back into the pulpit. They could not drive him away. Welcome to an authentic ministry. You'd think he would demonstrate a little caution and common sense. After all, Lystra is a dangerous and unpredictable city. Paul was stoned and left for dead. They wanted him gone, but God called him to minister there. A ministry that lasts is a ministry that relentlessly uh, perseveres through periods of enormous persecution. It is not fickle. It does not need the applause of people. It rejects being enshrined as a God. Authentic ministry delivers the truth of God no matter how jagged the edges of perilous the threats. The ministry was full of that kind of determination. Aren't you getting a more and more respect for Paul? Oh, man. It says in verse 21, And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Wrapping up their year-long tour that begun in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas doubled back on their return trip. Paul made mention of Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch when he wrote of the persecutions and afflictions he suffered there. We see it in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them out of them all, the Lord rescued me. In Antioch, he was expelled. In, he was expelled. in Iconium, he narrowly, narrowly escaped. In Lystra, he was stoned. The Lord delivered Paul out of all these dangerous traps. But in each case, it was an entirely different way. In Antioch, he was kicked out. In Iconium, he caught wind of a plot. In Lystra, he was left for dead. I point this out because our tendency is to say, if I'm going to get out of my dilemma... It must be in this way or according to these 10 steps. But God will not be boxed in by any program, agenda, or formula. He has promised to deliver us. 2 Corinthians 1.10, look what he says here. Who delivered us from such a great peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Strengthening the souls, deliver us. All right. Now we go to verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this. They were in a fiery trial. Indeed, yet they didn't come out until they were ordered out because they preferred walking in the fire with the Lord to sitting in the shade without him. Daniel 3.26 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, and you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. What happened to the fourth man in the fire? The Bible says in verse 25, He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. 
So what happened to the fourth man in the fire? He stayed in the fire. Where is Jesus, the fourth man today? He's in the fire. We have a tendency to try to avoid the fire whenever possible. And it's a great mistake. It's in the fire when times are tough, when your heart is breaking, that Jesus is the most visible, the most real, and he's the most precious. Verse 23, it says, When they had pointed appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. Commentary suggests these elders were probably only a few months old in the faith, yet without, yet with prayer and fasting, Paul and Barnabas commended them to the Lord. Isn't that something? They had to be because there weren't very many there. But because of the teachings of Paul and Barnabas, and then we go on and re- read all of this stuff of all, all, all the accounts of him. Man, what disciples he made in such a short time. Acts 14, verse 24 says, They passed through Pisidia, came to Pamphylia. When they had spoke the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from, from which they had been commended the grace of God for the work they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered uh, the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a long time with the disciples. Did Paul and Barnabas live happily ever after? Not by a long shot. The plot thickens. Chapter 15, we'll find out what happens. You guys get something out of the word tonight? Amen? Isn't that something? At one point, they're calling them gods. Next moment, they're stoning them. But he still uh, stood the test of time. Aren't you thankful that he didn't stop there and he kept going? Man, don't you guys have a lot of respect for this guy, Paul? How God turned, literally flipped his life upside down. And uh, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all are out there and say the Lord's flipped your life upside down? Amen? So listen, the gospel needs to be preached through you. The gospel needs to be preached, yeah, both hands, both feet, yeah. <laughs> you don't have enough body parts to hold in the air. Uh, but my point is that, that what you've gone through can help somebody else. Amen? And what I love about it, he always points to the Lord. It's not what he did, but it's what God did through him. Let's always be that way. It's not what I've done, but it's what God uses through me. Amen? <clears throat> it's a short night. I'll let y'all go get ice cream. Praise the Lord. All right. God, thank you for your word tonight. I just pray, Lord, Lord, that it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Lord, I just pray, may we grab a hold of that, that these signs will follow him who believe, that we will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. God, I just pray that we'll cast out demons in your name. We'll speak in new tongues. God, I just pray that uh, um, no evil befall us, no weapon formed against us will prosper. God, I just pray for those that may be feeling in the heat tonight of persecution around them or or maybe things have been said against them or maybe there's drama inside of a family. God, I just pray that they keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord, that they stand strong. Lord, just as Paul did, that he, uh, uh, he knew what was before him, a race that was before him. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would keep running the race that you've called us to run. We'd keep going in the direction you've called us to go. We keep doing what you've called us to do. We keep being who you've called us to be. That we would not be um, 
uh, let down or discouraged by things that have been spoken against us, said against us, done against us. But God, I pray that we would continue to fight that good fight of faith. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, may we not have that Lystra syndrome. In Jesus' name, I speak against that right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.